0: with me and you'll be in a world of pure depressive aggravation. Take a look and you'll see into your insomniatic imagination. Greetings. Greetings unto you, my insomniatic potato children. Welcome to another episode of Depressed Ravings of an Insomniac. I'm your host, sartini and today I realized that I'm going blind because sometimes when I open my eyes everything looks like <laughs> and everything's all blurry and I'm like damn it I'm too young for this shit I'm too young to get old stop it genetics do better come on really we're doing this now 22 that's when I clock out it's when I go blind I've been lucky so far, you know, most of my family are fatties, they had diabetes, you know, they got the gout, my dad, he has diabetes, his sister, diabetes, parents, both diabetes, I'm the next in line to inherit this crock of shit, not happy about that, so I've tried to be pretty strict with my diet over the last couple years, kept that as minimalistic as possible. You know, I'm too lazy to go to the gym, but at least I can eat the same thing every day. That's super easy. So, evaded the diabetes, you know, getting fat. I'm putting on a few pounds now, but I think I'll be able to be okay in the long term. But vision? Nah. Everybody's vision's fucked up in my family. I'm surprised I can still see colors. You know? I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing It's a miracle. I'm evading some problems with ease, while other problems are just punching me in the punching me in the gut okay and vision is one of them and it's currently 3:11 a.m i gotta wake up at 6 or 7 a.m to go make an emergency appointment with my optometrist i think that's the word for eye doctor i hope so or i'm gonna sound like an idiot though i still sound like an idiot because i'm doubting it so oh no it's a cycle of self-doubt and pity yeah f- oh, drowning you know so uh Gotta go get my eyes checked tomorrow, and then afterwards, oh my god kids, oh my god, afterwards I have to go make a bank account and get an international credit card and then do a bunch of visa applications, moving to another country. is a little bit tedious. A little bit. Vietnam doesn't even have that harsh borders to get in. The process is fairly simple. You just gotta sign away like four pieces of paper, and you're done. But it's the The other work you don't know about, you know, you got to factor in the health checks, you got to factor in the bank accounts, you got to factor in getting that international credit card up and running. You know, there's a lot of little things you don't think about when it comes to moving. It's just like, oh, I just got to get a visa and like get some things stamped, we'll be fine. Well, no, no, you won't be fine. It's difficult to move, okay? But I'm doing it. It's going to turn me into a man, you know, a real competent adult. That's what I hope. And then by the time I get back, I'll probably be such a man that, like my father, I'll get diabetes, and that's how I'll know I've stepped into my rightful place as a man. <laughs> Tomorrow's going to suck, though, because I have to run around all over, as I was saying, and I also got to drive three and a half hours up to Penn State University to go visit my wife, Jerov, who's a very tall Indian man with long, flowing Jesus-like hair and puffy Indian hair and pants that I bought for him. And then him and I are going to go drive an additional four hours in the complete opposite direction to Delaware to go spend the weekend with his family. And I love Drew's family because I feel, you know, Indians and I, Drew is an Indian name for everyone that doesn't know. And Drew's family is fantastic because like they like adopted me as their son, like Indians, Punjabis especially they're so loving and they're down to party and they're very loud and excited about everything and I'm very down to party and loud and excited about everything and we just like boom like we just got along so well I feel like his parents are my foster parents and we all just like text all the time and it's his dad's birthday yesterday and we're going to celebrate that for the weekend so pretty exciting um you know I don't think I've talked about Jaruv on this podcast which is weird so Dharuv as I was saying is a very tall Indian man with Jesus long like hair uh he just looks like a typical like Indian sage hermit that does like a lot of yoga and Daruv is probably the strangest man I've ever met because he's on the pathway to becoming a modern day medicine man all right and what I mean by that is that he's literally going to go to graduate school to study psychedelics what the fuck does that even mean I I don't understand, you know, he he does these weird things with these psychedelic mushrooms and plants, and and he tries to figure out the science behind that, he always spends time on a variety of different Native American reservations to learn, what did he say, how to get more in touch with plants, I, I, I don't understand. I don't know. Basically, he spends a lot of time as shamans and he studies like Buddhism and Hinduism and is very into the spirituality behind those two things. And then he's very much into just the spirituality, the deepest depths that existence can provide through these otherworldly experiences. And I guess his belief, from what I understand, is that if we can get more in touch with these alternative experiences, those will bring us closer to the Godhead. And in doing so, one can gain this transcendent air in which they can be freed from their cycles of suffering. And I guess another of his beliefs is that the reason why people suffer is because they can't get out of our negative attachment to suffering itself. Like we suffer because we like to, but we're not consciously aware of it. It's like a very deep rooted thing. And so we continuously spin stories about the misery our lives have so that we can feel this baseline pleasure, but I guess there's like a higher reality of thought we can move into and step into and embody once we begin to take part in these alternative experiences uh, like psychedelics, like I, I don't know, some weird thing like that. I don't understand it myself, it's not, it is a part of my path but not fully as I try to live an existence free of, of substance. Substance? Yes, that's the word, Jesus. Um. So yeah, Drew is, is like that, like that's him, like he's some otherworldly being, and fortunately I'm fairly ridiculous as well, just in every other way. And how I met Drew was, was pretty great. Um, we met back at my first university, good old Penn State Berks campus, shout out to all those um, satellite campus kids, very exciting time. And Burks was was cool for me because I, I failed a lot there. I wasn't exactly sure what a brand was or who, what part of my being I wanted to tap into. I was just kind of ideologically possessed by self help and like wanted to be like this grand motivational speaker dude teach people about happiness and like you know keep that positive state energy up and like you know I just want to be one of those creepy guys that's like Tony Robbins and preaches on a stage about how to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and be whatever the fuck productive means I hate that stuff now but that's the path I was on then and so I was just kind of like happy and go lucky because I was ignorant of the outside world and then um when I met Daruv he introduced me to sort of like the darker side of life like hey did you know that everything sucks and is terrible all the time but it's okay because if you know things suck you can embrace it and make fun of it look here are what memes are aren't memes great and I was like oh I didn't know that the entire time I was being happy, it was a front to prevent me from engaging in any sort of misery. (gasps) Oh, no, am I not who I thought I was? I'm melting! No! And Drew was one of the most important things that have ever happened to me because he just showed me, just ripped the carpet from under my feet, I fell down on my ass, and then I looked up at the stars in the sky and said, Oh, shit. I knew I didn't know much. But now I'm almost afraid of the vast pools of knowledge which I have not yet engaged in. And he really helped me uh, do as as Carl Jung has, has theorized, uh, accepting the shadow self. Uh, accepting sort of like, hey, you can be like happy and, and positive and like super into whatever it is that you're into. But you also have to realize that. You aren't as good as you think you are, and like, yeah, you want to like do this thing with happiness, but like, why? Where does that come from? And is the place you think it comes from the true place, or is it elsewhere in your being and you can't access it because you've sworn it off? And that's how I was living my life at the time. I was sort of just, you know, oh, I'm virtuous, I'm nice, I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm really positive, I'm really, oh my God, I'm so happy. But in doing so, I was sort of trying to yell loud enough so I couldn't hear the noise from the darker parts of my soul, if that makes sense. Like, I completely just cut my being in half and was like, nope, not going to deal with that half. Just going to focus on this other one. And we're going to build that up, and we're going to build it up, we're going to build it up. Oh, my God, it's not growing. Oh, the darkness is overtaking everything. Oh, God, no, just ignore it. It'll go away. (laughs) It's not going away. Ah! And that was kind of what was the feeling in my head, I think, at the time. It was a very turmoil existence. And Drew was like, nah, man, just step fully into that darkness, embrace it, see where it goes. So I did, and here's where I am now, in my father's basement, making a podcast. How exciting. And uh, Drew, I think, really, the, the first time he had uh, sat down and have a conversation, was, um, I was having lunch with some of my you know, female friends one day, and uh, they were apparently mutual friends of his, so we sat down together, and uh, I was just sort of getting into my dating journey at the time, and I was like, oh, you know, like, I'm really into women, obviously, and uh, he was like, oh, dude, me too, sex is great, and I'm like, is it? He's like, no, I'm a virgin, haha and I'm like, wow, you're dumb, <laughs> but then we started talking about, like, oh, what do you, like, kind of watch on YouTube, it's like, oh, I watch all this, like, weird red pilly shit, and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting, link me some stuff and, um, I hate the dude who runs Red Pill, I think that guy's a fucking retard, but, um, you know, some other things he sent me were, were pretty cool in relation to sort of that, like, weird part of the internet just for men kind of thing, and, uh, I got turned on some really good speakers, some really good companies as a result, and, uh, really took off in my, you know, my social skills really took to the next level because of his influence, and I wouldn't do my life would be such a wreck, and it would be just be disgusting, and I definitely would have been, my life would have been worse. I It would have been, I would have rather killed myself. To so much as think of who I would be without Daru in my life, I would rather kill myself than go down that thought. Like, I'm not even going to have a what-if scenario because it's just going to disgust me so much. I mean, this dude is pretty much everything to me, and I, I'm, I'm the same way for him. You know, Drew is a very stubborn motherfucker, very argumentative, probably one of the smartest people alive, and I really do mean out of everyone, he's definitely in the 1% of intelligence, very disagreeable, he will fight you and argue you because that's just the way it is, there's no negative conversation to it, it's just he's always fucking on, on every level. He is a full blast on go, and I respect that like a motherfucker. And, um yeah he's, he's he feels the same about me um except his relationship I think in our heads is a little bit different um you know I, I tend to see most people I, I meet as teachers um and I think that's what helps me take my relationships to the next level um and I think he, he sees me as a teacher as well but it, it's more of I guess in a lighter light whereas I take my friendships a lot more seriously and our friendship is actually like so like pure that it's it's like beyond anything of which I can express. You know, like people relationships all come in different levels. And with my friends, like the closest ones, like I I can't really bring it to say that they're my friends. So I kind of like invent a new sort of status for them. You know, like with Daruv, him and I like spend so much time together. Well spent so much time together all throughout college. Um like People thought that we, like, lived together. We never have had a place together, unfortunately. One day, we'll get one together in Brooklyn when uh, we settle down in New York. That'd be really fun. But, um, nope, we just spend so much time together that people always, like, there wasn't a moment of time we spent apart at some points. And um, we were, like, so close. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's just pretend we're married. Like, why don't we just do that? And he's like, nah, that, that's kind of weird. I don't know. And I was like, listen, dude. I just broke up with one of my crazy girlfriends. You just broke up with your insane girlfriend. I don't want to go through that shit again. I don't want a girl to fucking like, oh, what's the status of our relationship? And I can't just you know flat out tell her like, hey, we can't do anything ever because you're, you're an insane person. And I think you're pretty and great, but I don't want you to raise my kids. Please leave me alone. Okay, thanks. Bye. You know, like I don't want to have that conversation. So I was like, hey, dude, all we gotta do is get married on Facebook. We're going to take this joke to the next level. We're going to put it public. Everyone's going to think we're in a gay partnership. And then boom. Girls will never ask me about my relationship status again. Because they'll know that you and I are married. And he's like, you know what? You sold me there. Let's fucking do it. So we got married on Facebook. Um, I think it's Fuck, is it March eighteenth? I think is our anniversary. And uh yeah, I think it, we've been married on Facebook for about like a year and uh a half. And it's been a great joke, dude. Like, you know, he's my wife, I'm the husband, we have a daughter together, Ritu, another smaller Indian woman. Um, shout out to the Gudratis out there listening. And, um, you know, we have her as our daughter, and the story is like we adopted her on the streets of Brooklyn as a little pea pod and then raised her up into this beautiful flowering, blossoming pea plant. Uh, you know, we've got some crazy uncles in there. We've got his family, my family. You know, we got pretend parents for us. Like, we created this web, an entire family structure for us to make fun of. And, like, that is how I do my friendships. Like, oh, you want to be my friend? Fuck that shit. We're going to go and create a made-up family structure. Why? Because it's fucking funny. We're going to have so many inside jokes, people won't even understand how the fuck we're communicating because it's just in fucking incognito words that people don't understand. I wish I was funny so I could have that, like, be a joke and it land, you know, but I'm not. I wish I had more comedy potential. But right now, nothing. So I just have to stick with this really poorly told story. Uh, Anyway. So I love Drew. He's one. He's he's pretty much the closest person to me, um, aside from my brother. I mean, they're they're both up there. I think I have to give it to my brother, and, and say that him and I are closer. But I mean, Drew is very very important to me. And um, you know, once I sort of like got pretend married to Drew, and like we made all these jokes about having inside like this weird secretive family structure. I realized, like, reflecting on that about last year, I was like, oh, wait a minute. All I do is talk about getting married to people, you know? Like, if I'm with Drew, like, he's my pretend wife. If I am talking to a random girl at a club, I would frequently, like, ask women to get married as, like, a comedy routine, and like, I literally get down on one knee. I'd propose to him. Sometimes I'd bring out like a ring that I just have on me for no reason, or just like for that particular joke, right? So I would like go into bars and like dance with a girl, and like five minutes into the dancing, I just get down on one knee and like propose to her, and then she'd be like, "Oh my god, it's great!" And like we'd make out and like we'd go home together or something, and like that was a typical thing I did. Or like if I were like going out with girls, I'd be like, "All right, come on, wife, like let's let's go do some stuff." Ha ha, funny, great. I'm calling you my wife. Yay, um, you know, like stuff like that. And I was reflecting on it earlier this year. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I do that because it's funny, but that's only on one level. The reason I might really do that is because I myself desire to create my own true family structure. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I had gone all my life thinking like, nah, dude, I'm going to do this shit alone. I'm a lone wolf kind of guy. You know, friends are great. I'm going to keep them close to me. Of course Of course, I love my friends. They're like my family to me. But oh, they're like my family. I say that they're like my family because that's what I really want. And I got all my life repressing that. And the second I just realized that everything I do is so I can create my own family one day, find a nice girl, settle down with her, have like three or five kids. You know, like that's the fucking dream right there. And I had no idea about this aspiration for years for years I was trying to move away from it you know like I don't need to settle down with anybody you know like this is pointless to have committed relationships but I was like fuck dude I was mad because I couldn't get that I wasn't mad because I was like oh this isn't for me I was mad because I, I wanted something so bad but I deemed myself not able to get it so I resented the fact of its existence and I moved away from it even though I really wanted it you know, and there's a lot of memories and thoughts we have that we avoid. We try, we try to create boxes around. We try to create prisons and then shelter those memories in the darkest, deepest depths of our minds. But really, if, we're, if we have an idea or a concept we're running away from, if you put it away somewhere else in your mind, you're still giving it energy. You creating a prison and a block around a certain concept, well, if it's in a prison now, it's something even bigger to pay attention to, right? Like, the more you have to repress something, the more energy you're giving it, the more you're focusing on it. So what tends to happen is once we repress something, we focus on it even more so than we had originally done. And it's just a cycle of something that gets worse and worse and worse and worse until one day it escapes from the prison and just takes over you completely. As in that moment when those thoughts that we repressed for so long take over us completely, that's when we're faced with a choice. We can definitely fight that we can definitely put it back in its cage and we can make it sit there but we're still going to pay attention to it and it's not going to be a friend to us or we can simply let the demon out of the cage submit to it that it's there go into that darkness work it out make it a friend and integrate it into our beings there's all sorts of things that we've got locked up in the back of our heads we got to find those things we can't just keep them there we've got to free them and if we can free them I think that's sort of how we become better people. And typically the way I think we're able to free our internal demons is by realizing our opposites. So like I was saying in my relationships thing, it was like, no, I I just kind of want to have sex with women and like, you know, be in this space in which I'm like this really cool bachelor guy. But it's like, oh, wait a minute, okay, so if I'm telling myself I need to be this way and I need to fulfill this narrative, clearly I'm not that narrative. Let's try doing the reverse or let's try thinking about – let's try thinking thoughts in relation to the reverse. Okay, like what if I stuck with a girl long term? Like what would be the end result of that? And it's like, oh, okay, I'd probably get married to her. That's the end result of a relationship, right? Right. What else? Well, I probably have kids. I hate the thought of kids. Why do I hate the thought of kids? Oh, it's because I sucked. When I was a kid, and I don't want to be that shitty. Oh, wait, no, it's not that I was shitty. It's just like I didn't get along with my parents. So I'm afraid that I would be a bad parent to my kids. Oh, that's the problem. Let me try to engage with women in a more healthy dynamic. And then maybe if I get better with my relationships with women and intimate relationships all around me, then I'd be more open to the possibility of having kids. You know, like we have to pursue our opposites. Like, fuck you, I'm going to be a bachelor. No, you're not. You want kids. Fuck you. I am gonna argue with everyone. How about you be more compassionate? Like you know, the biggest thing I think we 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 have to avoid is that like ideologically possession. You know that ideolo- The biggest thing we have to avoid, I think, is ide- ideological possession. Jesus Christ, that that's a tough one to say ideological possession, what is that? It's when you sort of become obsessed with one idea, with one narrative. Like, I have to be this, I have to be this, I have to be this, I have to think this, I have to think this, I have to think this. this. Typically, we get possessed by an idea. You know, I think today's politics is a good indicator or an example of ideological possession, you know? You've got these super crazy people on the left that are like, yeah, I'm an antifa, fuck fascists, we're gonna suppress speech with Force because speech itself is force, and you're offending people. And if you're offending people, it gives me the right to physically harm you, to stop you from harming others. That's not fascism. That's anti-fascism. It's like, no, dude, any type of violence to condemn speech, no matter what it is, that's the actual definition of fascism, dude. You yourself are being the thing which you say that you're against. Not happening, bud. Or it's like with conservatives, you know, like, oh, my God, Papa Trump, give me your cock, man. I'll take that down right now. Fuck it, yeah, man, order. We got to have laws, strict borders. Eh. I was like, whoa, dude, is that what you really think? You're talking about it. You're talking about it. You're trying to make it yourself. I see you trying, but is that real? If you got to say it, are you it, or would you just do it and not think about it? Hmm. You know, people are always a lot more than they say, and we got to make sure that if we're too much in a groove going straight, we got to really think about that from time to time and be like, oh, you know what? I'm going straight right now, but what would happen if I go the reverse? What then? Can I see the political perspective? Like, okay, what would it be like to be a communist? Do I understand that I could be that under certain conditions? Cool. Do I see that if I lived in World War II Germany, I would be a Nazi? Do I see that if I lived in Japan during 1940s, I would go try to destroy America. You know, like you have to understand that you have the potential to be anything, but if you could only see life in one way, that's a problem. You don't have mobility then. Mobility is probably the most valuable thing. Sight, it's important to be able to see not only your perspective, but the perspectives of others. You know, if you can't exist in multiple spectrums of belief, there's a flaw within you. There's not flaws within other individuals. It's within you. You haven't been able to integrate your being enough. You haven't stepped forward towards your true self. You're hiding behind ideas. And you have to learn to shed those ideas as much as you can and open yourself to the world and be vulnerable to everything. You know, there's there's too many people these days that think that they are right. The best way to free yourself of that arrogance is understanding that you yourself could be anything. It's very important to do. Now, I'm very tired. I feel like I'm talking in circles, so I'm going to stop talking about this specific idea and jump to something else, but I'd like to get more into this one day once I'm more coherent. But right now, you know, I think we're just going to speak a little bit more casually because, again, i got to wake up and, like, fucking two hours. It's it's not gonna be a good day for me. But, you know, I'm very happy that got drove in my life that that, you know, led me to exploring all of these things. Um family. That's what I wanted to talk about, right? You know, for me that that's like the main reason why I do everything I do. It it took me what, fucking 21, 22 years to figure out and fully grasp, understand and, and want to pursue consciously. Um you know I don't get along with my parents too well. I really, I, I never really have. But I, I think that we need to for, force ourselves to get along with our parents. Like, we really got to put an effort into there. Because I don't think anyone truly likes their parents fully. You know, like, everybody's a shitty person. And when you're raised by someone, they're not always going to be, an angel. They're going to have a lot of demonic sides. And because you're living with them so often, you're typically going to see those demonic sides. And you're going to feel hurt. Because, you know, when we're a baby, when we're crying all the time when we're born, if we cry, we need attention and attention will be given. But slowly, as, as we develop our, our minds, we we sort of require less and less immediate attention. And, and it feels when we're not given that attention at first, you know, like I'm talking like when I'm like four or five years old, then like that's the first deterioration of the angelic perception we have of our parents it just goes downhill from there but you got to realize that you know again everybody fucking sucks and you suck too and if you were in their position you probably wouldn't do much better it's good to think like oh yeah fuck you mom and dad you know i'd be such a better parent than you no you won't dude no you fucking won't you'll do some things differently Sometimes the, the different actions you took will, will be more beneficial than not. But you're going to be just as shitty to your kids. It's just going to look slightly different, you know. We got to understand that we, we, we can be the evils that our, our parents have expressed themselves. And I always wrestled with that growing up. I'd be like, fuck, you know, like, what do I do? Like, my dad's just a really calm, conservative, working class dude. He's got problems of his own, that's cool, but he's a pretty normal guy. Do I wanna be like that? Eh. And then I look at my mom and I'd be like, all right, my mom is well, she's pretends to be a lot of things, and it seems like she might have some pretty off putting mental issues, you know, maybe it's sociopathology, maybe it's borderline personality disorder. I, I don't know. But she seems to be able to manipulate people fairly well and enjoys it. And, like, am I supposed to do that? Am am I supposed to be, like, my mom appears to me and just use people for gain? What what do I do? Do I be normal or do I be manipulative? Oh, my God. And then I always kind of thought, like, you know what? Fuck these two. Like, man, I hate existing, and they just make it worse. So forget it, like, I'm never gonna do the things that they did, I'm gonna be someone else, but, you know, even when I was a kid, and I I was thinking those thoughts, at the same time, I was like, you know, well, okay, maybe I, I wouldn't do things differently if I were in their situations, okay, so, well, what could I do, I was like, well, every time that my parents do an action, which I find unjust, or something that I deem would be wrong, I replay the action in my head, as if I were my own father, right? So let let me explain. I, I don't know. I, ah, fuck, I wish I could explain this better because it's really important to me, and I want to convey it properly. Like, so my my let's say I was hanging out with my dad, and you know, we were hanging out for we were we were supposed to hang out for an hour, but my dad could only hang out for fifteen minutes because he had you know he's a fucking busy entrepreneur, so he had to leave. And I only got 15 minutes with my dad. And when you're a little kid, that's really upsetting because like, dude, you promised to do this and you didn't. What the fuck? But instead of getting like mad at my dad specifically, I would just sort of have, I would restage the situation in my head, right? I, I would see me as this little like five-year-old kid, but I would also envision myself as an adult and be like, okay, if I were my own father, how would I replay the situation so it would be better? And instead of just being like, hey, son, we're going to hang out for an hour. Exactly. It's going to be a great and fulfilling time. Get your hopes up. Instead of be like, hey, kid, you know, I like you a lot. That's why I decided to have you, clearly, you know. But listen, you know, I, um, I don't always say it, but your dad has got a lot of work to do. You know, he runs a very successful business, and being successful is one of the most difficult things to wrap my head around. And oftentimes, I'm not going to be able to be there for you as much as I say, but remember, when I spend time with you, I'm fully present in the moment. I'm giving you the best I can. And oftentimes, you're going to hate me because I'm not around, but I'm still thinking of you. So come on, let's play catch and hang out for a bit and make fun while I've got the time to be fun. And when I was a kid, I'd always think through those situations. Like, okay, so I didn't like when my mom did this. How would I handle it? Like, well, I would say a little bit more words than she had. And I would try to, to use compassion and, and really try to help my child understand the magnitude of what I myself am going through. And then if I can convey my state of being to my child, maybe they won't hate me as much that was kind of like what I was trying to reframe in my head when I was growing up. And that I think is gonna be really important for me down the road. You know, I, I later on I I realized like I was trying to avoid my parents, but I you know, when I was younger, I was trying to avoid my parents. But later on I realized like, okay, it's good that I'm rethinking and restaging these situations to try to find my own way of dealing with them. But at the same time, I have to realize that I do have a variety of aspects of my parents within my soul. You know, genetics are great. Probably going to get diabetes low in my shitty eyes. Thanks, dad. But, you know, those are parts of me. And I have to realize that even though I don't like some of the things that they do, I still have the capacity to do those things. So I have to work out in my head what that, what those negative, if I were to act out the same negatives, what would that look like? And how can I prevent me from doing those negatives? But not just prevent, realize that sometimes they're going to get out of control and I'm not going to have the full capacity to stop myself just as they didn't have the full capacity to stop themselves. You know, I hope I'm making sense here. But really, this is the sort of war that you got to go on in your head to sort of ameliorate and better the relationships you have with your parents. Because if you're looking at them only in terms of resentment, it's only going to drag you down into more suffering because your parents again are very tied to your own soul and the worst relationships you have with them the worst you have with a part of yourself and you know everybody on face the planet has got shitty parents but you gotta remember you're them they're you you're shitty they're shitty we all suck but you gotta let that go man you gotta let go of your pride and say all right I'm going to do my best to see if I can relate to my parents just a little bit better. We're going to start small. Maybe I'll call them up once a week and maybe we'll talk for five minutes, but that's at least better than I was last week. So there it is. You know, that's if I were to write a book on dating, that would be like my number one thing call your parents once a week, tell them that you love them, and mean it. You know, you can always fake love, you can always fake affection, but if you do that, the only thing is going to be returned to you is the same level of, of fakeness. You have to have a genuine go at this. Like, fuck you, I haven't talked to you in 20 years, dad, but you know what? Guess who's friends now? You and me, motherfucker. So check your Facebook requests because we're having a conversation tonight. And I think when you can tell your parents that you love them, and mean it, even if it feels shitty, it's gonna feel weird at first, but if you can really mean it, and give that a genuine go, I think you can accept a lot of that darkness with that's locked away within your soul. I think that's that's kind of one of the first things you can do, an action step, one might say, to letting some of those demons out of the cage and, and integrating those to your being. You know, I, I really hope that makes sense, because it's very important to me. And if I wrote a book on dating, first chapter absolutely you know I don't agree with with Freud's whole like eh, it's sex and parents and blah blah like I don't agree with that shit but I do agree with the premise that these things are, are very important to to understand and, and to work through because uh, they affect us in every area of our lives and again I'm very fortunate that I met Daru so I could experience this and um, I really love like I have a very strong love especially for his parents Um, they're so like loving and kind like his mom for example like her and I get along so well that I think every night for the past two months we have texted each other like good morning I love you good night I love you have a great day okay thanks yay you know like we've had these really like genuinely nice conversations and it's like cool I was able to love my parents enough, which, <laughs> and that was, that love for my parents enables me to then have other, better familiar relationships. Look, everything gets better. Yay, life is a great series of compassion, you know? It, it's weird how that works, you know? The more you can accept your parents, the more you accept yourself, the better relationships seem to go on all levels. Isn't that great? Like, it, it's so weird how how complex the world is, you know? And, um, I'm just glad to be fucking here, man, you know? I'm glad to be here. It's It's been a fuck of a year, man. It's been a fuck of a year, you know? I think this one in particular, I I, I lost all of my, like, drive, my, my motivation. I still find meaning in everything, but just, I just don't like some days I, I would just not feel like getting up, you know, like I remember oftentimes I would just collapse on my floor at home, you know, and I would just be like, you know, this is it for me. Just God, if you could be so kind to put me out of my misery, I, I can't stand being alive. Like everything in my life is great. You know, I, I see a lot of women and, you know, I'm decently financial well off, that wasn't a sense. I'm the, I, I, my finances are fine. Women are great. I have the literally the greatest friends I can possibly conceive in my head. I, you know, people enjoy me. My content's going well. I'm doing everything that I want, but at the same time, I still felt just deathly numb, and I would just lie in states of, I would call them like depressive bouts of paralysis. Like it's so bad of a feeling and I wanted to, like every morning when I would wake up I would just want to straight I would just think about killing myself every day for like the past year. It was so bad. And um yeah, I would just wake up, I'd have this weird depression paralysis, and I would just uh I would fantasize and like oh uh, it'd be fantastic to just think about me dying. Like that was so great. Like yes and it now. It'd be awesome. Um, but you know, I, I knew that was sort of only like an, an illusion at the same time. Like we got to be careful our mind, like I was saying before it, but plays tricks on us. We're not the ones in control here, you know? And then when you have a fantasy, whether it be a transcendental fantasy of moving towards the highest peak of being that motivational speaker, like you've always wanted to be, or having a fantasy of pure abyss, destruction of of suicide like both are not who you are don't be consumed by the thoughts you think let them flow within you but you aren't always what you're thinking they're parts of you but not the whole of you and I never really gave into those thoughts I mean there were times where I'd collapse on a floor and just pull out a knife and just hold it under my neck and be like all right this is it but nah you got to keep going The journey doesn't stop when you say it stops. The journey's done when it's done. You're not in control. And um, reminding myself of that is what got me out of those hard times. And I think these are things everyone kind of goes through. You know, suicide is something on the minds of everyone from time to time. I don't care how happy you are. It's there somewhere. Some people like me, it's worse than others. And we got to talk about these things. And we got to understand that it's merely an illusion. It isn't the fullness of who you are. I'm not going to go on a rant like, "Oh, you don't need to kill yourself, like everything's going to be great." No, actually, I I think the the amount of suffering you have right now will perpetually continue to get worse. But that's okay. I kind of take this idea from a philosopher I very much in uh, adore, Schopenhauer. And Schopenhauer was always sort of his his main thing in his book, Aphorisms. You know, it started out like the premise being life is suffering. If you're trying to live happy, you're not being human. The The state of existence is misery, pain, and destruction. It is not happiness, joyousness, positivity. The reason you think these things is because you need to lie to yourself to get you through your daily life. Discard those illusions. That is not what the purpose of being human is. The purpose of being human is to be human. There are a lot of abysmal aspects to possessing the rational mind of a human animal. And you got to realize that it isn't all about feeling good. If you think your life's about feeling good and in those positive states, what happens when you're not living out those positive states? Should you feel, like, terrible about yourself? Should you feel disgusted? Or no, because you have to feel positive only. What happens when your parents die? Are you going to be sad then? Yeah. If you're sad, can you still, like, endure that happiness narrative? Or have you failed it entirely? You know? Like, stop it. The objective of, of human life is to experience life as a human. Let all those emotions flow in you, dude. Good, bad, whatever. But realize that you're not fully any of them. Killing yourself? Great. If you feel like doing that, go for it. But we all actually have those thoughts. And I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to, I'm trying to avoid cliches here. And I'm not saying like, oh, don't kill yourself. You're not alone. No, you definitely are alone. How do I know that you're alone? Because you probably feel alone. And in that way, you are alone. Like, simple, you know? But you feel alone. That's one way to look at it. Perspective number two you feel alone, but you feel alone not because of your depression or whatever you're attaching to, but because it's human nature for you to feel alone at this time. You know? And what you have to realize is, like, emotions are a fluid state. One thing is not a permanent thing. One thought is not the entirety of your being. There's always more. It's not more in a good way. It's not more in a bad way. It's kind of both. A negative can lead to a positive. A positive can lead to a negative. Opposites are weird. You look left, but you can also look all the way right, you know? The world's a lot more broad than we think it is. And you might as well keep living. Because no matter what you feel, so long as you're feeling, you're being human. And that's all there is, man. You don't need to chase super high up goals and objectives and, and, you know, try to, you know, be an owner or a CEO of a company or some bullshit like that. You just exist, man. And no matter how it is you exist, you did it. You are fully a person through and through. When you were happy, you were a human. When you were sad, you were a human. When you had a knife to your throat, you were a human. When you had sex for the first time and were elated, you were a human. All of these things encompass the consciousness, which is you. Your consciousness is linked to other consciousness. You know, there's so much more going on right now, man. You don't have to attach to just one thing. And if you do struggle with suicide, try to keep these things in mind, man. Like, oh, okay, so I want to kill myself right now. I have a gun right next to me. Bullets are loaded. What do I do? Oh, I don't have to do this. I could do literally anything else. And I'm still going to be miserable, but at least I'll be doing something else. You know, like, at the least. You know, maybe you can think that. And, like, you know, we got to have these conversations a little bit more. We all have to admit that we're shitty together. We all have to admit that we're miserable together and we all have to just accept that that's part of human life man and it's okay to have these things and that's what gets me through killing myself every day reminding myself that oh that's not me that's just a part of me but that's okay a part's not a whole So yeah, the main point of the podcast that I wanted to talk about was, hey, I really would love to build a family for myself because I have positive relationships with my parents now. And it enables me to see my true goals and aspirations and values and wants. And if I fail in every endeavor, I could care less. But what I would really like to succeed in is just finding a nice, Taiwanese fashion model, marrying her, and having a bunch of kids. That'd be great. You know, that's the dream. But I recognize that before I get married, I got to try to be a little less dumb. And I think one of the things I'm doing to sort of make sure that I do end up with a stable partner is doing this whole travel in the world thing, right? Like, I want to have such solid grounding in myself that I'm always able to share with my partner what I'm thinking of her. You know, everyone's always like, communication's important, oh my God, just communicate with your spouse and everything will be great, ah. But like, what does that mean? What does it look like? How can I see it in my head before it exists? Give me a map. And I think the map way towards communication and making that healthy is just, Every time you have a feeling, you follow that through. Every time you have a thought, you follow that through. And you share those experiences with your partners. And you always ensure that you and her have this genuine relationship, which you speak your minds completely. And some of those thoughts are going to be terrible and horrible. You know, like, hey, I saw this hot chick the other day at a bar. And I really want to have sex with her face. That's what's on my mind today, Melissa. I'm not attracted to you as I used to be. How do we work this out? You know, like there's a large level of commitment there. There's a large level of, okay, you and I are fucking doing this. We're in it. We're going at full speed. There's no way out, but that's not a bad thing. Because shit's terrible today, but that's only one part of the whole. It's not fully terrible. There's still a reason we're here. Let's make things better, you know? And I don't have the ability to do that right now. I'm on the path there, which is fan-fucking-tastic, thank God. But, you know, I'm about 30% there. i got to be more consistent with those thoughts, of being more genuine uh, with my partner in that way, with my speech. That's like a big thing for me. And I can't do that fully. If I can't do it fully, we got to go on a weird spiritual quest. And once I find that grounding by making it and playing with it and crafting it, when I return to America, then I can start taking this thing even more seriously. I can up the degree uh, with my relationships with women. And then probably from that space of groundedness, I can select higher quality partners and really try to build more of those partners. So I think, again, I'm going to travel around the world for the next like five years, 10 at absolute max. I hope to come back to America you know, sometime between 28 and 30. And once I hit 30, 35, like, that's when I'm going to be like, okay, so we're going to have long-term relationships. We're really going to focus on maintaining something. And we're going to try to do this whole marriage thing the right way. And I'm going to elaborate on this concept more because I find marriage to be extremely valuable and important. And we need a revitalization of the philosophy of marriage. Um, I think that could do us a lot of good. You know, people are always like, oh, marriage, what is that? It's just, what, just getting the government involved and signing a piece of paper? And I'm like, oh, no, that's that. You are getting a divorce there, my friend. Sorry. If you think in that manner, you're done. Um, it's actually something a lot more beautiful, and there's a lot of um, meaning within the process. If you would like to open your heart to seeing that, I think it would you would go a long way. But, um, you know, I can't be as fully genuine as I'd like to be. I kind of touched on this yesterday. So I'm on the pursuit of discovering how to orient myself in that way. And once I find it, I think I'll let myself come back to America uh, so I can settle down in pretty much every aspect of my life and really get married because that's what I really want to do. And um, I think that was a very haphazard show today. I, I do not think that this sounded good through and through. Um, I'm pretty dizzy right now. Everything's kind of spinning. That's about how exhausted I am. And um, we're going to call it here. But thanks so much, guys, for coming with me on today's journey. I hope everything I said was mildly incoherent or at least eccentric. Um, you know, like, subscribe, share, whatever the fuck platform I'm listening to. Pay attention to me more. Pay attention to my face and my words. Okay? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I will uh, see you tomorrow. Bye bum, Week ending.